Obedience in the sermon series Faith Foundations, spoken by Pastor Sunita Ponton. So raise your hand if you ever had a WWJD wristband. Yep, yep, yep. WWJD, also known as What Would Jesus Do? Um, I clearly remember rocking my What Would Jesus Do wristband throughout my childhood, and I know it's a little cheesy, but it was a signifier of my identity as a Christian, but also a reminder to live my life always asking the question, what would Jesus do? And supposedly this wristband movement was a part of the 1990s trend, right? And this, it was actually developed by a youth group leader. Uh, this is what Google says anyway, right? It was developed by a youth group leader um, out of Michigan. Her name was Janie Tinklenberg. And it was for her youth group kids to remember this slogan and to live their lives accordingly. Uh, but much more than a wristband, it really does summarize the life of the Christian. It is simple, but it is profound. As Christians, we are to be imitators of Christ. And like Christ, we are to live obediently to God and to his word. We're continuing in our sermon series on faith foundations. And this week, we are talking about obedience. And then we know that the topic of obedience is not a popular subject because as Americans and probably just as human beings, we like to be independent. And obedience sort of connotes submission and dependence and compliance and weakness. But actually, it's not. And obedience is so important that it's actually a central theme of the Bible. Beginning with Adam and Eve, we see humanity sort of wrestling with what it means to be obedient. And sadly, Adam and Eve, they fail the test and we um, suffer the consequences of it because we also wrestle with what it means to be obedient, how to be obedient. And so in almost every page of the Bible, we see the same struggle going on. But then enter Jesus who comes in and he says, look, yes, I am still calling you to obedience, but I want to change that for you a little bit. I want you to think about it differently, but I'm also going to provide the way for you to be obedient. And so if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're looking at verses 15 through 31. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. And this is Jesus talking. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Now, these verses are part of a, a few chapters known as the farewell discourse. Jesus is at the Last Supper with the disciples, and he's washed the disciples' feet, and he's preparing for his departure. And he's sharing these parting words, knowing that he's about to be betrayed by Judas Iscariot, arrested and crucified. But before that happens, Jesus is with the disciples in the upper room. These are his closest confidants, and these are the people who he's going to trust his message and his mission to. He's been with them for three years, and in these chapters, he summarizes and he sort of crystallizes the heart of his ministry. All of the words of scripture are important, but I would think that we want to pay special attention to these words because this is Jesus talking at the end of his life. Now think about it. If you knew that your death was upon you, what would be the final words that you might say to your family members or to your friends, right? Those are very important words. And these are the words that we have with us here. Jesus is sharing um, his parting words. And what does he spend some time talking about? He talks about obedience, in this passage, Jesus talks about sending the Holy Spirit. He talks about the relationship between him and the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit. But he also talks about obedience. That's how important it is to Jesus that before he goes, his message to his disciples then and to us now, his disciples, the message is obedience. So what does Jesus have to say about obedience? First, obedience demonstrates our love for God. Obedience demonstrates our love for God. If I had to sum it up, I would say that obedience is God's love language. Love is not just words. It's not just feelings. It is demonstrative. It is active. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Amen. A key indicator of those who love Jesus is that we obey him. So how is that even possible? Well, Jesus is saying that our love for him grows out of an encounter that we've already had with him. We know Jesus as our savior. We know how he has died sacrificially for us. And we know that that was a demonstration of his love for us. So when we love Jesus, we are loving him back because he loved us first. Amen? And so anytime we sin, meaning we do something that's not in accordance with God's word or God's ways, it means that we are not loving Jesus. Because when we sin, we put something or someone above Jesus. Something else or someone else has stolen our hearts, maybe for a moment, maybe for a season. Hopefully this is not a lifetime trend. So when we obey God, we're giving him first priority. We are putting him above everything else and we are demonstrating that we love him more than anything else. 
But this love that Jesus is talking about, it's not an emotion, it's not a feeling. Sometimes we think love is how we feel, but Jesus says it's much more than that. Love is active. It wants to do for the other. And it is born out of a deep trust and desire to please the other. It is relational. And because of this relationship, because of this trust, I will obey you. You don't always know how or why. If you've been with Jesus even a little while, you know that God doesn't always give you all the instructions. But we follow out of obedience because we believe that what God is asking us to do is because he loves us and his will for us in the end is for our good. Amen? Amen. And so when we think about obedience, it's kind of like a measure. It's a, it's a barometer, an indicator of our love for Jesus. Now, look, I know you cannot measure your love for Jesus, but you might want to ask yourself, how willing am I to obey him? How willing am I to let go of what I want so that I can be obedient to God? Because according to Jesus, that's how much you love him. But this obedience that, that Jesus is talking about, it's not legalism. It's not transactional. It's not about just knowing a set of rules about morality. It's not even just knowing them or having access to them, where to find them. It means fully grasping the heart and the words of Jesus. Remember the Pharisees? Those were the religious leaders of Jesus' times. They knew the law. And they worked really hard to obey the law. But Jesus criticizes them because of the condition of their hearts. This is why obedience is not just like filling out a form or going through a checklist. It is having a heart of love while fulfilling the act. Our acts of obedience are motivated by love. How many of you have ever received a gift and you were like, you didn't even think about me when you gave this? Right? I am, I'm a food person. I love food. And have you ever gone to a restaurant and the food is just like thrown on the plate? And you're like, there's no love in this. Like the food doesn't even taste good if there's no love in it. Right? It's not just about you doing the thing. Right? Married couples. Right? You ask them to do something for you and they're like, all right, whatever. They, you know, they <laughs> suck their teeth, they roll their eyes. Right? It's a difference when someone does something out of love and out of care. You know, it's one thing to do something out of just obligation because it's your job or because you have to or because you're afraid of that person. It's another thing to do it when it's out of love. And that's what Jesus wants. Remember the conversation that's happening here. Remember what's taking place. Jesus is with the disciples. He's been with them for three years. He's been teaching them and he's been healing and he's been living alongside of them. And, and Judas Iscariot, remember him? He's, he's already left. And so Jesus is left with the, the 11 disciples and he says, you need to love one another. You need to serve one another. And he knows that in the back of his mind, the demonstration of his love is that he's about to go to the cross on their behalf. And so he says, if you want to love me back, Obey me. Remember this room and remember this conversation. Remember the cross and obey me. This is why obedience is more than just following the rules. It's about following a person. 
Loving Jesus and obeying him is easier when you remember what he has done for you. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Yes, the commands are about following his words, but they're not a checklist. And they involve the entire scope and his, and his words and his revelation, but it's more than that. The obedience Jesus is talking about is a way of life. It is modeled after the love of Jesus and his own obedience to the Father. Jesus is making an ethical claim. He is saying that Jesus lovers, we live differently. It's about rejecting sin in all its forms. It's about loving and caring for others. It's about your actions, not just your words. It's about following and copying the example of Christ. The words of Jesus and the commands of Jesus become integrated into our lives. We live a life oriented towards serving God and being obedient to him. So I just um, was asked to be a part of this Black Jewish Leadership Institute, and I'll tell you more about it, you know, sort of over time, you know, in the, over the couple of months. But um, last week, um, all the participants got together and we spent a week together. And part of the conversation, we ended up having this conversation about our congregations and, and you know, like the, the differences and the similarities. And one of the Jewish men, um, he talked about how, and, you know, somehow the subject of money comes up. And he started talking about how in their congregations, there is a, uh, there's a set amount that each family is asked to pay to participate in that congregation. And I mentioned that in, um, in Christianity, we believe in tithing. And that led to this whole conversation. He had all these questions. He was like, well, do you tithe on the gross or do you tithe on the net? Well, what about if you, <laughs> what about if you give to other organizations? Does that count as tithing towards the church? And we had this whole conversation and he had all these questions. And I said, you know what? I have to be honest with you. And I'm not trying to skirt the, the questions. I said, but I honestly don't even think about things like that. I said, because for me as a Christian, tithing is not just like getting to the 10%. Tithing is about a heart of generosity. It is about stewardship. It is about giving um, uh, cheerfully. It is about me serving God through my church in this way. And so I said to him, I, I personally don't Get into questions like that. But if you want to know the answer, I'll tell you what I do. I said, I, I tithe on my gross. And I said, and I give above that to my church. And whatever I give to another organization is after I first given to my church because I want to, um, I want to bless God through my church community. Amen. I want to support my church community. Amen. But I do that, not because like I live extravagantly, because I don't, right? I do that because the goal is generosity, because the goal is stewardship. So like, yes, I could check the box, but I could also have the heart of God. That is the goal. The goal is not to just check the box. The goal is to have the heart of God in our obedience, amen? And it's the example that we even see Jesus do. We see Jesus always modeling for us what it means to be obedient for God, the posture of our hearts and the condition of our hearts. Even Jesus is obedient to the Father. Jesus' words are consistent with the words of God. Look at verse 24. Jesus says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Jesus is saying, I don't 
don't even say my own words. I say God's words. He speaks the words of his father. He is obedient to God in his speech. And Jesus' actions are in accordance with God's will. In verse 31, Jesus says he does exactly what the father tells him to do. In Philippians chapter 2, it talks about Jesus being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In other places, Jesus will say he doesn't even do anything that God does not tell him to do. Jesus shows us that our language must mirror that of God's. So ask yourself, what are the words that come out of your mouth? Are you speaking God's truth or are you condemning yourself and condemning others? Jesus also shows us that our actions must be on mission with God. Are you obeying the voice of God and the word of God in your actions? As Jesus followers, our obedience demonstrates our love for God and by extension, our love, excuse me, our love for Jesus and by extension, our love for the Father. But look at how good God is. God is so good that he gives us what we need in order to be obedient to him. The second thing we learn in this text is that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to be obedient. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to be obedient. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Jesus didn't leave the disciples alone and he doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't leave us to just figure out this life on our own. He sends the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that the requirement was love and of keeping his commands, but he also knew that we would need some help. We would need help of divine proportion. He knew that we would need God in order to obey God. And so he prayed that God would send us some help And he did in the form of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has provided us with what we need to obey him. The Holy Spirit lives in us. It abides in us. See how good God is. Because he knew that we couldn't do this on our own. And so he sent us some help. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit reminds us of the truth. Look back at verses 16 through 17. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither knows him or sees him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, and we are are to follow the truth. We know what to do because the Holy Spirit reminds us of what we have been taught by God through his word. The Holy Spirit confirms it, and he interprets it, and he he tells us what has been demonstrated by Jesus. Verse 26 goes on to explain, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, the word here for advocate and and, um, here and in verse 16 is actually the word paraclete. It's the word paraclete, and there really isn't like a direct uh, uh, translation for us in English. Sometimes in your Bibles, you see the word advocate or counselor or helper or comforter, and God is all of those things. The Holy Spirit is all of those things, but the word paraclete is actually a better translation because it means to come alongside of. 
The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us in our life to help us on this journey. And it reminds us of what Jesus has said. So let me say this as a sidebar to you. This is why we read our Bibles. This is why we, we listen to sermons. This is why we study our Bibles. This is why we are in the word of God because the Holy Spirit reminds us of what we've already been taught. But the Holy Spirit, I mean, he can, but how much work does he have to do to remind you of something you've never learned before? So this is why we really need to be in the word of God. He is the one who comes alongside of us and he reminds us of what Jesus has taught us. Jesus was leaving, but the Holy Spirit would be with us and would be a companion, strengthening us and empowering us and holding us up and encouraging us along the way. The Holy Spirit encourages us by reminding us of God's truth. And we need to be reminded of God's truth every day because we live in a world that will tell us a whole bunch of lies. We need to be reminded that we don't need the approval of others because if God before us, who can be against us, right? We need to be reminded that we need to know because the world is gonna call us a whole bunch of stuff. But the word of God says that we are children of God. What truth do you need to be reminded of? What truth do you need to be reminded of? Get off of social media. Get in the word of God. Sit with the Holy Spirit and let him speak the truth to you. So how do you hear the Holy Spirit? I already told you one way. It's through reading the word of God. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and it helps us to understand and apply what we are reading to our lives. So some of you might know that I have a very interesting relationship with my father, and it has become even more interesting in the past year or so. And it's been really hard for me. So I have spent a lot of time in prayer, and I have been, has spent a lot of time, you know, crying over this relationship. And one of the things that keeps coming back up to me is that I, I constantly feel like an orphan because um, my mother is deceased, and I feel like I have no parent. And so one day I had been sort of praying about this and I was crying about this and I was reading this book. It was a Christian book and the book actually referenced John 14, 18. I read it earlier. Let me tell you what verse 18 says. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now I had read these words a million times before, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit let those words jump out of the page for me. Right? Here Jesus is promising me that I will never be an orphan. And those are the moments, that's, that's what I needed to hear. I needed to be reminded of God's truth in that moment that God is with me. Amen. That he will not leave me an orphan. The Holy Spirit speaks through his word. And the Holy Spirit also speaks in prayer and in our times of silence and meditation before God. It's in the silence before God that I really feel God pressing on my heart. The things that I'm supposed to do, the things that I'm not supposed to do, the things that I need to stop doing. Right? Every major decision I have made in my life has been through prayer what job to take, what school to attend, who to date, all of these, where to live, everything. It has been in prayer. And the Holy Spirit also speaks through other people. 
The Holy Holy Spirit speaks through all of you. But I hope you don't rely on other people all the time to help you discern what God is saying to you. Because even as a pastor, my job is to equip you and to teach you how to hear God for yourself. And so when you come to me and when we talk, I should only be confirming what God has already said to you. This is why your own relationship with God is so important. Because it's relational between you and God. We read the Bible so we can know the word of God and what we are or are not supposed to do. It's in the Bible that we learn not to murder, you know, not to steal, not to be envious, but also to love our neighbors and our enemies. It's where we learn about generosity and gentleness and justice. Those things are very obvious and clear for many of us. No, you cannot steal that handbag from the store, right? We know this. But how many of us have encountered situations in our lives where we're like, God, I don't know what you're trying to say. And there's no clear answer in the Bible. Should I take this job? Should I buy this house? Should I attend this college? How do I navigate this relationship? There are so many relations, there are so many questions we encounter on a daily basis. And most times the truth is, if we're Christians, we're actually not really trying to figure out if this is a bad thing or a good thing. We're actually trying to figure out if this is a good thing or a God thing. What does God actually want me to do in this situation? This is why Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to speak to us and help us to discern his will. This is why we read the Bible, but this is also why we pray and why we're silent before God. What is God's spirit saying to your spirit? That's the voice you obey. And I have to be honest with you, it won't always make sense. And God doesn't always give us the whole plan. But as mature and maturing Christians, we want to grow in our sensitivity to the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. And it comes from obedience. What is God saying to your heart? Because the truth is, oftentimes we know what to do. But we're just being rebellious or stubborn. And this is why we really need to evaluate our relationship with God. Because the truth is you're going to obey someone or something. The world or your flesh or God. And hopefully you will choose God. And sometimes we know what to do, but we're afraid to do it. This is why Jesus says, if you love me, You will obey my commands. Our love for Jesus must be the motivating factor. Our desire to obey him must be our constant motivation. But we don't get to not obey God because we're afraid. We obey God because we love God and we are loved by God. God prompted me to share part of my testimony when I was on this trip um, last week. But here's the thing, and y'all would never know this, I actually am terrified of speaking before groups. And it was only 30 people, and I didn't want to do it. And I really don't like talking about myself, particularly not in front of groups. (laughs) And so that day, and every Sunday that I come and I preach before you, 
I'm, I'm like, there's all the butterflies. There's all of that. But I get up here and I did it then and I do it now because I love Jesus more than I love my fear. I pray that God will use me, that God will empower me, that he will help me stand up here and make complete sentences. <laughs> and just as I feel the butterflies, I feel God's support, right? His help coming alongside of me. That is the presence of God with us. There have been many times when it hurt to obey God. When with tears running down my face, I've had to say, yes, I will forgive this God. I will forgive this person, God, because I love you. Yes, God, I will take this job. Yes, God, I will leave this job. Yes, God, I will leave this relationship. Yes, God, I will give even when I feel like I'm in need. Yes, God, I will obey you. Why? Because I love God. And my desire is to obey him above everything else. And as Christians, we have to get to the point where we love God more than anything else. And that leads us to obedience. But here's the thing. He doesn't leave us alone. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to help us to obey him. So finally, we learn that Jesus rewards us for our obedience. Jesus rewards us for our obedience. Jesus shows himself to us. The promise of verse 21 is that not only will we experience the love of Jesus, but Jesus will show himself to us as we are obedient to him. Jesus also promises that he and the Father will make their home with us. Look at verse 23. It says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. When we live lives of obedience, we experience more of God's presence and more of his insight. This is the sensitivity that develops over time. As we hear God and obey his written word and his, and his spoken word to us, we come to know and experience more of God. It's how we gain spiritual authority. We all want to see God. We all want to experience more of God. Obedience is the way. Because when we are obedient, God knows that he can trust us with more of himself. Because the truth is that God is always speaking. But disobedience places a barrier between us and God. It's like when you have bad cell service. The conversation is still going on, but you can't hear it obedience opens up the line of communication where we can hear the voice of God more clearly. And in obeying God, we become stronger. Our power comes from obedience. In verses 30 through 30, 31, Jesus is, is, he's alluding to the crucifixion, but he makes clear that the prince of the world, that Satan has no control over him, has no hold on him. And the reason why the enemy has no control over Jesus is because Jesus is sinless. Sin gives Satan his controlling power. And so Satan can't control Jesus because there is no sin in Jesus. Well, guess what? If we want to get Satan's grip off of us, we've got to be sinless as well, as close as we can be. And that comes from obedience. The more obedient we are, the more that Satan loosens his grip on us. We become stronger 
through sort of like lifting our obedience muscles, if you will. And God's power goes greater in us. His presence will fill us more and more. God says, if you obey me, I will make my home with you. I will instruct you. I will encourage you. I will equip you. I will come alongside of you. Do you want to experience the power and the presence of God in your life? Isn't that what we're here for? Well, it comes from obedience. Forgive when he says forgive. Give when he says give. Honor your parents. Love your spouse. Welcome the stranger. Share your testimony. Take that job or quit that job. Lead that ministry. Share that idea. Do what God is telling you to do. And God will be with you. So I am a witness that God is faithful and will honor our obedience. I am only in ministry. Let me say it again for the people in the back. I am only standing on this stage <laughs> because God called me to do it. Amen. I was in law school. Y'all know the story. I was in law school. I wanted to be a civil rights attorney, right? I, I had a different life planned for myself, but God had other plans for me. But here's the thing. He didn't tell me the whole story. <laughs> he didn't tell me the whole story. The first step of obedience that I took was fasting when he told me to fast. It was during the Lenten season, the season leading up to Easter, and I was a poor law student. I had nothing except TV, right? I studied and I watched TV, and God told me to give up TV for Lent. That was my first step of obedience, fasting from TV during Lent. The second step of obedience was during that Lenten season, Jesus told me to turn down two jobs, two job offers. That was the second step. And only then did God tell me ministry. The yeses got progressively harder to say. <laughs> but it didn't start with this big leap. It started with the steps of obedience along the way. And guess what? God was with me and has been with me every step of the way. Amen. And I continue to say yes, not because it's always easy, not because I always feel like it, because my desire is to please God. Because my desire is to be obedient, and it's because I love God. And that's what God wants from each one of us that we continue to say yes to him, not because it's always easy, but because we love him. That's the key for all of us, loving Jesus enough to obey him. Whatever he says, wherever it leads. And so the question for us today is, will we be people who love him enough to obey him? Will we be people who loved Jesus enough to obey him. Because when we do, we will find that the Holy Spirit will be right there with us, alongside of us, and we will become stronger because of it. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you that you show us how to live more like you, how to live more into who you've called us to be. And God, we not only thank you for our written word, but we thank you for the Holy Spirit that continues to speak to us and to guide us and to come alongside of us in this journey of life. And God, we know that sometimes being obedient can be hard. And so God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for them, God, that they might love you more than they love themselves that they would love you more than the fears, that they would love you more than that rebellious spirit on the inside of them, God. God, I pray for my brothers and my sisters because there's somebody, probably many somebodies, who you've told them what to do, God, and now they just need to do it. God, I pray that they would love you enough to be obedient. And I pray, God, that as each one of us says yes every day to more and more, that your presence would become stronger in our lives, that we would hear you more clearly, God, that we would be empowered by your Holy Spirit as we take the steps of yes every day towards you, God. And I pray, God, that we might be able to share our testimonies with one another of how we've been obedient, but more importantly, God, how you've been faithful to us because of our obedience. God, I pray that you would unnerve some people, as Pastor Peter said earlier, that you would undo some people, God. Because there's more that you have for us, God. And we don't wanna leave this earth having not done, having not experienced all that you have for us, God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.